Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 47 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So last we left off, things got rather interesting. General Grumman seems to have uh, set up a little plot to potentially kill Wrath. You know, whether or not he's actually dead remains to be seen. No body and all. And Alphonse has also fallen prey to pride. So it seems like, um, you know, there's rather heavy casualties on both sides, as it were. I guess the more troubling aspect of what's going on is that Alphonse has been taken prisoner. You know, he's very clearly still alive. It just, uh... I don't know, it seems like he doesn't really have full control of what's going on with his body. The way Pride's talking is, uh... rather disquieting. You know, it seems like in addition to that whole plan and the sacrifice business, it would seem as though they've got another design in mind for Alphonse. Alright, so here we have it. Here's a big meeting that uh, we've all sort of been anticipating. I feel like that's probably the wrong foot to start off on. Edward just sort of punching Hohenheim in the face. I mean, I feel like perhaps talking would be better first. You know, maybe Edward would learn that his father's not as much of a jerk as he uh, would appear. Oh, dear. Well, fortunately, it seems like Greed and Hohenheim 
given that they're sort of being honest here, they're not going to start fighting even though they would really have every right to, you know, if Greed were truly still aligned with Father. But given that that's not the case, I mean, I can't say Hohenheim would probably be very comfortable working with a homunculus given all that he knows, but at the same time, any port in a storm, I guess? Any ally is better than no ally? So naturally, Hohenheim gives everybody the quick rundown of the past however many hundred years. You know, he was a slave, he learned to read and write and do alchemy and all that, and then he eventually survived the fall of Xerxes. You know, that's a... That's a pretty heavy thing to drop on somebody. Especially your own kids. So the plot gets a little bit thicker. It turns out there's going to be a solar eclipse tomorrow, and I feel like, uh... You know, eclipses are always sort of at the center of big, mythical, fantastical rituals and things like that. Man, even after everything that's gone on, Edward is still sort of, uh, I guess in a bit of a rut. You know, to Edward, teaming up with his father is... A real fractitious coalition, you know? It's not something he's doing because he wants to. It's because it is merely the best chance of doing what's right. And I gotta say, that's rather unfortunate. Oh, boy. That's a pretty heavy thing to drop on somebody, too. You know, Edward relayed his mother's last message to Hohenheim, and... You know, maybe he could have delivered the message uh, a little more gently than that. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. How could Edward have known Hohenheim would have reacted like this, especially given what he thought going into the whole thing? Oh dear, now the Chimera are sort of, uh, taking over my job here, being armchair psychologist and talking about everything. And to be fair, they do raise good points, you know, Hohenheim in all likelihood had very good reasons for doing what he did. You know, he wouldn't have just left his wife behind, and... To be fair, I don't think we explicitly know what his reasons are, but... You know, I think there's a reasonably good idea of why exactly he did what he did. You know, it might have been better to maybe explain things. I don't think he even explained it to Trisha, really. But... I mean, as always, hindsight is twenty twenty.
You know, it really is unfortunate that Trisha ended up dying of the plague or whatever it was. Because despite all her talk about one day being a wrinkled old hag, she wouldn't have been that much older. You know, it was like, what? A handful of years, a half decade, maybe? You know, that's not that much, even in a human lifespan, considering everything. Well, I guess that there's one upshot to all of this. Despite Hohenheim sort of failing Trisha in that he didn't make it back while she was still alive, he can effectively make up everything to her by ensuring that things do not hit the fan tomorrow during the promised day. So it seems like old habits are dying kind of hard a little bit, you know, Edward can't help but transmit, or transmute rather, uh, his old jacket. Just, you know, so he's wearing something a little bit more familiar. I mean, I like the continuity because he's sort of been wearing just like all different clothes, you know. That's something that's always kind of stuck with me how characters in animation will always wear the same outfit largely because it's just convenient for the animators like i definitely understand that but i think in a case like this rather than just being pure convenience because ed wears other stuff you know it's more indicative of an idiosyncrasy in that he wants to wear this jacket and he just hasn't had the opportunity Oh dear. So Alphonse finally emerges, but just given how stilted he's walking, it's pretty clear he's not quite himself. And one would think that if anybody would recognize this, it would be Edward. And also, uh, we don't really see his eyes glowing either. You know, that's normally something that you know, we should see if he was truly himself. You know, that little sting of music in the background really puts a fine, uh, a fine point on everything. You know, if it wasn't clear already, you know, for those of you in the cheap seats, pay attention here. So I find it interesting that Ling sort of wrested control of his body just to warn Edward that, you know, hey, it's not actually Alphonse right now, you know, watch out. And whether or not his warning actually saved him or not, uh, they all did manage to survive the initial attack. So I do believe at this point... This is sort of like the most we've really seen of Pride doing things so far. Like, he's sort of just been holding people hostage and uh, killing soldiers, but a lot of that's been sort of off-screen and otherwise um, 
obscured, I guess. Just because it tends to be rather gory, I'd imagine. So speaking of uh, putting a fine point on things, Grumman and Miles are checking out the site of uh, the train where the Trestle Bridge collapsed. And they haven't found Rath's body. So, you know, boy, that sure couldn't mean he's still alive, could it? So it seems like Grumman, despite ostensibly being an ally, is playing a bit of the long game here. You know, he's sort of hoping that Armstrong, General Armstrong, and Colonel Mustang will play their hands early. So, you know, if, uh, if the opportunity presents itself, he can stab them in the back and net himself a nice little promotion with minimal work. That's rather unfortunate that he's sort of planning for this potential double-cross. But I guess at the same time, you know, he's acting against the homunculi, so... I mean, there's a little bit of bad with the good. I mean, I guess given that he's a, a scheming old geezer, it kind of makes sense. So unfortunately, it would seem that Greed has been forced in a position where he has to put all his cards down on the table, you know. He is, in fact, betraying Father openly, and in front of Pride, no less, who sort of, uh, speaks with Father's authority, in a sense, being the eldest of the homunculi, and the most strong and, well, just overall most dangerous, really. So the two Chimera, it's interesting that they're sort of like appealing to their animal instincts, which are telling them that pride is not something to be messed with. And I guess that makes sense, given that it's basically like a shadow monster. You know, the fear of the dark and all that being the biggest and most primal fear humanity has. Yeah, things really are in a tenuous position here, because on the one hand... Pride is protected in a couple ways. You know, he's got that nifty suit of armor. And at the same time, he's got Alphonse held hostage. So, you know, if they want to fight off Pride, there's not much they can do offensively. You know, they're going to have to find a slightly more cunning approach to try and uh, get Pride out of the armor and take care of him. So I feel like Greed having insider knowledge here, he should at least know of like something approximating a reasonable strategy for fighting pride, but 
You know, it seems like only Edward has really got the right state of mind to do anything. Oh, that's very interesting. So, he has deliberately caused a bit of a power outage, and in doing so, he's removed any source of light, which seemingly sort of uh, causes pride to dissipate. You know, he can't have those long-reaching tendrils in the dark. It's interesting. I mean, we're supposed to assume that this is, like, pitch blackness, and... Obviously, you know, the animators can't do that just because they would easily be accused of laziness for doing something like that, but... You know, it's interesting that everybody sort of has to handicap themselves in order to even the playing field. Of course, at the same time, I feel like those two homunculi being part animal... You know, one of them was a lion. Lions being cats, I'm sure, have uh, reasonably good night vision. So I feel like if they would stop cowering and do something, things might improve. So this is where things, I think, get really interesting. You know, Greed's talking about how Pride has, like, a container... And Alphonse is merely a decoy. That container, of course, is Selim Bradley. And while that's an easy enough thing to uh, injure, Selim Bradley, that is, the, uh, the optics of a monstrous humanoid attacking a child in the forest at night, you know, that doesn't bode well. I mean, on the one hand, Selene Bradley is obviously very resilient due to his homunculus nature. But at the same time, if anybody who doesn't know what's going on were to stumble upon this whole arrangement, I can only imagine they would side with the child over the monster. So, it's unfortunate that the gorilla homunculus is sort of speaking rationally here. Alphonse's body is just sort of there, but they don't dare approach it in case it's an actual booby trap. So, the best hope of a good outcome is basically taking care of pride and going from there. You know, you don't even want to bother with Alphonse's body while there's still the possibility that pride might pop out of it and impale you or tear you to pieces. Now speaking of being torn to pieces, uh, Gluttony's here too, and that's a rather unwelcome surprise, but at the same time, I guess it's to be expected considering that this was seemingly an operation to either get rid of Hohenheim or capture Edward Elric, and you know, Two is better than one. So I guess uh, 
despite Gluttony being able to use his sense of smell to navigate the dark, you know, he still doesn't exactly have the upper hand on account of being not particularly intelligent. So I feel like anyone who can navigate the dark and is smarter than him will be able to at least, you know, stay one step ahead of him. Ooh. Man, friendly fire in the dark like that, you know, I'd imagine being like smacked full on in the torso like that without being prepared for it would be absolutely crippling. So Lang has an interesting proposition here. You know, he can detect homunculi even in the dark, so... You know, if he takes over, he'll be able to fight off gluttony and or pride much more efficiently. And even beyond that, I feel like uh, Ling has a reasonable bone to pick with gluttony. Gluttony having been the one I believe to sort of uh, injure Lanfan. Whoops. Yeah, things are not good. Gluttony's decided he's gonna start swallowing everything, and that definitely doesn't bode well for anyone. So this is very interesting indeed. You know, somebody seems to have shown up and they've decided to cut Gluttony absolutely to pieces. Ling is rather happy about this uh, fortunate happenstance, so... It seems to me it can only be Lanfan. And given that she is now an effective combatant, we can only assume she finally got that automail arm both attached and working.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.